Praise the Lord. We're going to look at a couple of passages very quickly in the Bible. We're going to turn to the Old Testament, briefly look at two passages that concern us, especially today. Let's go to Exodus chapter 8. In Exodus chapter 8, let's hear the word of the Lord. <clears throat> the same God who is overall sovereign God, Almighty God, who loves us so much, wonder-working God, will speak to us, to our situation this morning. Exodus chapter 8, beginning with verse 20. And, in the, and the Lord said unto Moses, Exodus 8.20, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. I mentioned the other day that Locusts, which belong to the grasshopper family, they are actually plaguing Pakistan and Africa right now as we speak. And we're talking about an excess of 200 billion locusts. Not 2 million or 200 million, but 200 billion plus. In fact, it would have multiplied to a bigger proportion than that number because by June they think that it would have possibly tripled or gone even further than that. So here we can imagine now, I've never seen such a thing, but as I read that news uh, article, I saw a picture of of, uh, people who were caught in these swarms. And it was just like a complete blanket as if it was almost night and people are running through it trying to shoo away millions of locusts with some kind of stick. It's impossible. Of course, they come to destroy the crops and so forth. But here we have a picture of that with the swarms of flies. Now, God sent one of these ten plagues because of the rebellion of the Egyptians and for the bondage in which they kept God's people, Israel. So he says, go tell Pharaoh, you better let my people go so they can serve me. If you don't, a plague is going to come upon you, swarms of flies upon your servants, upon your people, and into your houses. In other words, you can't go into your house and lock it. Imagine that. If it's in the street, if it's in the marketplace, if it's in the workplace, that's one thing. You can't go out. You're in a lockdown in your houses. But he said it's going to come into your house. No one can stop the hand of God. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day or set apart or divide the land of Goshen, which is in northern Egypt there, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. No swarms of flies shall be there. Now, one can think that, well, the flies may be going up and down the land of Egypt. 
into people's very houses. Maybe they'll come to Goshen too. After all, Goshen is in Egypt. But maybe the Lord will just let it not come into the house. You know, stay in the house, you'll be safe. <clears throat> but actually, God said, the border is going to be observed by the flies. Divinely, the flies will not cross that boundary, that periphery, that line around perimeter of Goshen. This is divine intervention. And he says, to the end, for the reason that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. The message was primarily to Egypt, to hard-hearted Pharaoh and his demon-worshipping subjects who are oppressing God's people out of envy. Nowhere did it say in the beginning of Exodus that children of Israel were rebelling, they didn't do their work properly, no. It was when they were multiplying that Pharaoh, the Egyptians, began to be very, very envious and scared. They began to oppress them mercilessly. God said, enough is enough. I'm stepping up now. I'm standing up for my people. Their groaning have come, has come up to my ears. May God hear the groanings of his people today. Say, Lord, please, show your mighty hand, God. Stop this plague that we're experiencing now. Lord, may we fulfill the conditions for the plague to stop. I'm going to get into that in a moment. But here God warns them, you better let my people go or it's going to be trouble for you. They said, nope, we're not letting them go. That's exactly what happened. God says, I will put, verse 23, Exodus 8, I will put, and I will put a division between my people and thy people, talking to Pharaoh. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so. The very next day, you can just imagine the buzz of flies. Imagine if you have two or three flies in your house, how annoying it is. Even one following you everywhere. Imagine a hundred of them in your house. Imagine a thousand of them. I don't even know. It could have been an excess of a thousand, two thousand. It was to the point where they would know, you know what? There's no escape. We need to bow down to God. We need to cry for mercy. Because they didn't listen. This is what's happening to the world today. Though as believers, first of all, as human beings, and especially as believers, we should never gloat over the suffering of others, even our enemies. However, there's a time to speak the word of God and to stand up and say, there's only one way this is going to stop. There's only one way we're going to be saved and healed. is when we repent and turn to the living God. We haven't lived for him. People are blaspheming him from Hollywood to the political arena, to the streets, to the workplace, blasphemous activities and thoughts and words against God day and night and killing of innocent babies up and down the land, bloodshed. It's exactly what God said in the prophets. You're shedding blood. There's blood constantly. Blood shed up and and down Judah, up and down Israel. He said, I'm I'm tired of it. I'm not going to let this go on. It's been happening here, legally endorsed for the better part 
of 26 to 27 years for the better part of the last three decades. Not decades, three decades, actually 50, 50 years. The better part of last five decades. Millions upon millions, not to mention the abuse against innocent children, the horrific crimes against elderly, the thievery, the adultery, all kinds of wickedness, uncleanness, militantly supporting reprobate living in marriages. If we look at the Word of God, God is the most compassionate person. You know how God described Himself? And the Lord is the truth. When Moses said, Lord, would you show me a glory? He said, I've declared to you my name. Stay here in the cleft of this rock. And he said, when I pass by, I'm going to put my hand and cover your face. You can't see my face and lift. But as I pass by, I'm going to remove my hand. You're going to see my back parts. What a glorious sight. You know what the Lord said to Moses? He said, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love him, rewarding iniquity unto the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. God is God. His mercy endures forever for those who love him. His common grace has been showered upon the world for thousands of years. But there's coming a great tribulation when it will be all over. There's a time when God's patience will run out with those who insist on serving Satan by doing all kinds of evil. So God has to act. But God is the most compassionate person. So when God acts, it's in perfect keeping with true justice. In other words, people have exhausted his mercy by spitting on it. God says, enough is enough. This is what happened here. And this is a picture of what's happening, what we see today. And as I said, we need to have compassion on those who are suffering. We need to really cry and intercede for them. Say, Lord, please, as I've been praying also, please spare them. Lord God, it's one thing to say, protect me and my family and our church and the Christian people. But these are human beings. Oh God, please forgive this. And will you forgive, Lord? Perhaps some of them will turn to the Lord. We pray that many will. At the same time, we cannot be one-sided about this in the sense that we need to look at the total scripture, the character of God and how his justice must come through and why this is happening and how we can stop it. Now, if Pharaoh would have simply said, I surrender, Moses, please, I see I'm a zero, I'm nobody. I may be the superpower of the world right now, the chief captain of the superpower of the earth. But I realize that your God is a living God and I've been a fool. I'm so sorry. God, will you forgive me? I guarantee you God would have humbled Pharaoh, but also shown him mercy. We see that happened to some of the wickedest kings that Israel had known, Ahab and Judah, Manasseh, doing horrible things, passing their children through fire, shedding innocent blood, taking people's property, killing them, cold blood and murder, sacrificing to idols, forcing people to join them, Jezebel as a wife of Ahab, you name it. 
But you know what? So great is God, whereas human beings would have said, that's it, kill him on the spot. No mercy, even if he humbles himself. In the scriptures it says, when King Ahab, whose sins were so notorious, he was among the top, if not top two or three, in the entire history of the monarchy of Israel, and Judah, Manasseh also, that when God saw that they humbled themselves momentarily even, he immediately relented. So great is God. We need to tell people about the love of God, but also the justice of God. We need to tell people about the justice of God, but also the love of God. We can't be lopsided about it. And here the Lord says, what he said he'll do, he did. Now, for years, God's people, true servants of God, have been warning. Not only the United States, but the whole world. Wherever God's servants are, true servants of God, unafraid. Telling people, you better not play anymore. God's going to strike in such a manner. We heard that prophecy, in fact, in our own ministry. God gave Pastor Revelation way before this thing happened. Things to do with scorpion's tail, stinging. Similar to what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation in Revelation. It's just unreal. And yet it is real what's happening. There's no escape. He says, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. And that's what God did. Not one fly could be found in the land of Goshen. God said an invisible force field, as it were. Perhaps angels stationed there. Or simply his word, telling the flies, you don't cross this boundary, period. Millions of them, perhaps billions. Most likely billions. In fact, definitely billions. Egypt's such a, a large place. He said it's going to fill the people's houses. Imagine that. All over the place. Maybe trillions. But not one of those trillions crossed into Goshen where God's people were. Such is the grace and the saving power of God. And that's what God says to us today. As we keep reading Psalm 91, verse 10. No evil shall befall you. Who? The one who made God his or her dwelling place. The one who fears the Lord. The one who said, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. I want to please you. Thank you for bringing me into such a position, such a time as this, so that I can really take a look at my life and see if there's anything that I've not surrendered to the Lord. I want to be protected too. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Psalm 91.10. And let's look also at Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 to 26. I'm going to ask some of you to read this, please. Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 to 26. Someone please read verse verses 13 to 21. Exodus 9, verses 13 to 21. Thank you. 
Amen. Notice the mercy of God, even to those in Egypt, among the officials who feared the Lord. He gave them a last chance, even when he was about to send the hail. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Our message to people is, turn to the Lord quickly for this time. And let's read the rest of it. Someone else please read verses 22 to 26. Exodus 9, 22 to 26. Stop right there, sister. Verse 26. Praise God. Thank you. Now, God did what he said he'll do. And it was extremely tormenting. Fire, not only hail, but fire mingled with hail. Imagine that. Many bombs all over Egypt coming down from the sky. Can you imagine that for a moment? Hailstones themselves are bad enough, especially large ones. Very destructive. People run for cover for their lives. But mingled with fire. Very grievous. None like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. What's happening today in the United States, in every nation of the world, is a divine judgment, no question. 
worldwide plague. It's not limited to Latin America or certain parts of Europe or Europe during the Middle Ages or coming into Japan, certain parts of Asia. This is a worldwide unprecedented plague. We need to understand that and settle that. It's an absolute hand of God. If God is the one who gives the sunshine and rain, it's God also who sends the lightning and the thunder. It's God who sends the ice morsels, as is written in the old King James language. It's God who brings the wind out of his treasures. It's God who allows earthquakes and tsunamis. He's not the author of it for evil for people without a reason. He gives permission for things to happen because people simply will not listen any other way. That's the bottom line. How many people do you know in your life, perhaps in your own life you can think of it, where God had to really step up the pain factor, bring you to a certain threshold before you would listen to God, How much more a world that's rebelling against God's face continually and increasing in iniquity and harming innocent people. But then someone says, but why does it have to be worldwide? But we just read now what happened to the people of Israel in Goshen. We read the psalm, that no evil shall befall you, no plague shall come near your dwelling. If I have genuine faith in the Lord, I can claim that promise. I can say, oh, Father, I'm going to be wise. I'm not going to tempt the Lord God and go out when he says, be careful. And when we have to put on some protection, say, I'm going to discard that. I'm super Christian and I can tempt the Lord. I'll jump off of cliffs and go into a place full of germs. Like people who are foolish and perverse, misguided and arrogant, handling snakes because one of the scriptures says, and they shall handle deadly snakes that should not bite them or hurt them. Of course, in context, of speaking of in connection with spreading the gospel where these things pop up from the enemy, such as the Apostle Paul on the island. When he was warming himself from the cold rain, a viper came out from the midst of the fire, attracted the heat, and fastened itself on his hand. And the people thought, this is a wicked man. He escaped the shipwreck, but he's going to be killed by the serpent. Look at this. He must be evil. Fate has it. Destiny has it that he's going to be slaughtered here right now in front of us. And they thought he's going to swell up. Evidently, the thing bit it, bit him. But he just shook it off into the fire unharmed. But for people who go after snakes and say, well, God says I can handle snakes, and let it be tempting the Lord foolishly. But for us, as long as we exercise the wisdom God's given us, we have faith in the living God, we can be a true voice to tell people, God loves you, my heart breaks when you're hurt, and I'm going to pray for you, but I have to tell you, turn to the living God. Turn to the living God, there's no hope apart from him. What good is it if somebody recovers from the virus or escapes it and ends up going to hell? So our perspective must be divine perspective. The compassion of God must be coupled with the holiness and justice of God in his message. 
the bigger picture. And praise God that Exodus 9.26 says, after all of this destruction on the landscape of Israel, of Egypt, and the grievous torment from the rest of the nine plagues, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. Nobody died. Nobody had flies. No problem. God is surrounding his people today. Therefore, we must have faith in the living God. And in order for genuine faith to be there, there must be a holy life. No question. A person cannot have genuine faith. Simply gather some scriptures, motivate themselves, sing some songs, and say, well, God be with me. Similar to what people in the world may say, may the force go with you. As if some mantra can get them to acquire some protection. God's looking at the hardest people. As I finish here and turn it over to Pastor Kerber, I want to say this. I don't post on Facebook, and I haven't been active there for a while. But this is a time to respond and so I, I put a couple of posts there. just want to share that uh, with you now. A good friend of mine who is uh, part of this station committee, studying and is a very active Christian, very well known in the political arena, minister of the gospel and an academic. He's calling upon the president and the leaders of the country for a national day of repentance. You might have heard of National Day of Prayer, but he said that's not enough. We need a National Day of Repentance, and he's pushing for April 12th. And so I thank God for that and ask others to pray for that. Because um, God's people need to really start praying first before we can call the nation to pray. And I made that point, that real revival starts always with God's people, checking their hearts, their closets, their churches. Anybody committing adultery here? Everybody's looking the other way? Anyone cheating? Anyone uh, sarcastically speaking during the communion, the Lord's Supper, and anyone twisting God's word, giving perverted, one saved, always saved doctrine, sending people to hell in their churches, sending choir members to hell, sending people in the pews, sending each other to hell, if these sins are there, they must be repented of. For judgment must begin at the house of God, God said. Any revival, you look at any revival in history, whether the Welsh revival or the uh, revival in the 1800s across the United States, revival in India, in China, all over the world, from biblical times on down to the present day, any genuine revival, First cause the leaders to look at themselves and oh my God, I thought I was okay. I was preaching the gospel and I was telling people how to live moral and I thought I was moral, but the Spirit of God has come upon me and I see that I'm really not what I thought I would, I'm supposed to be. And they begin to weep before the Lord and really broken up say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm, I'm holding different things that I didn't even realize or I did willfully. When they begin to repent now, God can use them 
as vessels that will be effective to the community surrounding them in the nation, in the world. So I made that point that churches must repent first. People don't like to hear that. But that's the truth. How many people in churches, and ministers included, would like to watch the late show and laugh at unseemly and wicked and immoral jokes and have heroes, basically idols, they call heroes, but idols, in athletics, in the movie world, in the political places, all kinds of things. They carry idols with them, but they're like Jesus too. Sunday morning, they're on their top form. You have others worshipping gadgets, living for gadgets, others for ice cream. Literally, these are literally happening, these things. Carrying idols and expecting to rally the nation. I'm not talking about my friend here. He's, he's a man who lives holy with his family and sacrifices for the healing of many people. This uh, Dr. William James. But I'm talking about so many people throughout this land. The, the churches which are very the very cause, ministers so-called, the very cause for the downfall of many, for the ridicule and blasphemy of God's name. Because they are playing church and playing Christian. When they repent, now we can call the nation to repent. So, let me end with this. Second Chronicles 7.14. Let's just turn there very quickly. And if you have that, please read that out loud. Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. I'm sorry. It's... Uh, It is Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Somebody please read that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Amen. Many, many people have quoted this verse for many, many years, especially in America. I remember they had entire TV programs when I was growing up. A whole evening dedicated just to this with all the evangelicals and calling upon America to repent of this sin and that sin. And, but it's really true that it must begin with the house of God and the people of God. No point in rallying against homosexuality and same-sex marriage laws when there's immorality within the church and within the ministers of God. The devil will think we're a laughing stock. God won't support us. Notice what it says. And this is what I put in caps. I quoted this verse at the end of my post. And I put my people in large caps. If my people, God says, my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. He didn't tell Israel, go all over up and down Canaan, the surrounding Moab and Syria and Lebanon and uh, Egypt. Start crying out, guys, repent. He said, you tend to your house first. Your own soul, your family, your church. Cry out to God on their behalf. On your behalf. Be holy and then I can use you to shake the nations and bring them to me. If my people which are called by, by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face so far, people can take that part, right? Oh, yeah, we, we are God's people. We should humble ourselves. We can do that. Let's pray. 
Let's come together now. Huddle together. Let's seek God's face. But what about the rest of it? Turn from their wicked ways. God is saying there's wickedness in my house. It's even more so today than it was back then in Solomon's time. But people don't want to look at that. It's almost taboo. Turn from their wicked ways. Oh God, see if there's any wicked way in me, David cried. He was true. It's the first thing. I have to ask myself. And Pastor and I do that constantly before the Lord. Not that we're afraid or paranoid that there may be some wickedness. But it's good to go to God to say, Lord, is there anything wrong? Lord, examine us. Help us to be clear, Lord. We need you, Lord. Use us. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Notice the order. As I mentioned, for God to send a sudden healing of the land and destroying this virus and not seeing people repent of their sin is tantamount to playing a cruel joke on them. Because with the healing of the physical body temporarily, even if someone lives another extra 90 years, they will still end up in hell for eternity. The order is, people must turn to God and say, Lord, forgive us. We have played God in our own lives. We have lived for ourselves. Everything is said to do. We're doing opposite, but we like to be called by your name. Forgive us, Lord. God will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Praise God. May God help us to reflect on the truths we've heard so far and help us to apply them to our own lives, to our families, to our church families, to the house of God at large. And then as we sanctify ourselves, go forth boldly the compassion of God and the truth of God to warn people while there's time before the plague destroys everyone. Praise God. That's good. We're going to continue. Praise God. Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word that you have spoken. And to Pradeep, thank you, Lord, for showing the importance, the need for repentance within the people of God. And I pray that may we take this very seriously. May we look at our own hearts, be what we need to do. Talk to the people of God we know and show them the importance of what needs to be done. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that your kingdom may come, Lord. In all of this mess that we see, may your kingdom come. May Jesus be seen and heard. Through this virus, Lord, may your name be glorified, not the virus, May people hear the name of Jesus louder than the name of this virus. And I pray, may the fear of God 
fall upon the face of the earth. May the love of Jesus Christ be revealed to mankind once more. That the church at large may become holy. That the spirit of the living God may be magnified through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many don't want to go to church because of the people who go to church. Let this cycle end, O Lord. You want this cycle to end. I pray, Father, that you will continue to bring conviction upon the hearts of every Christian, every church-going believer and every non-church-going believer, whoever calls themselves, whoever, Call themselves, O Lord, to be a child of God. Whoever has taken the name of the Lord upon themselves, I pray. May the conviction that comes from the Almighty God grip their hearts so that their lives can change. Lord, as we go further into the scripture that you have for us for a few more minutes, I pray that you will speak to our hearts even more, that our eyes may open even more, that the plan of the Lord be revealed for us who are here, gathered together. Lord, in your name we gather together. And I pray that you will feed us even more, Jesus. Bind all the works of darkness in Jesus' name. Let your word be given unhindered and your word be received unhindered. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. We're going to turn our Bibles to First Kings chapter 17. First Kings chapter 17. The Lord just gave me the word now, so we're going there. First Kings chapter 17 and we're going to read from verse 8. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise. Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Now the hymn is the prophet Elijah. God speaks to the prophet Elijah. He tells him now, get up from where you are. He was by the brook of Kidron, where God told him to sit there until the brook dried out. When the brook dried out, God is speaking to Elijah, the prophet, and he says, Get up from here, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. So God is giving Elijah a very specific location during famine, the leading of the Lord to those who follow him. During famine, when the whole nation is going through famine, the whole nation is experiencing the judgment of God. For the people of God comes a clear direction from the hand of God. Those who look to him, their faces will never be put to shame, the Bible says. The faces will become radiant, God's word says. The word of the Lord is coming to Elijah, who was faithful to God. He's telling him, God is telling him, get up, Elijah. 
Go to Zarephath, go to Sidon, and dwell there. Now the famine is everywhere. Where he was, there was famine, and in Sidon, there's famine. Where were, in the land of Israel, Elijah would walk, and there would be famine all over. But if God tells him to go to a certain place, he doesn't have to question how he'll be provided. Lord, when I go to Zarephath, what is going to be waiting for me? Does the widow have money? Does she have special provision? Did she stock up, you know, from before? Elijah didn't ask any of those things. God gives a very clear command to Elijah. He says, just go to Zarephath and stay there. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. God commanded Raven to provide for Elijah. Next, God is commanding a widow to provide for Elijah. Both are very unlikely source. Because one is a bird that will actually take food from people. God is using that kind of a source, which would actually snatch from people. God is actually giving it to that bird, and he's saying, go, go, give it to my servant Elijah. So that bird will not touch even a tiny portion of that food, which belongs to the man of God, because it has been commanded by God to give what God has given, God had given to Elijah. It's a promise that God is giving to you this morning. When you have a need, when you faithfully follow God, God will meet your need supernaturally, through whichever means may be. It's never going to be like the source that we might expect. The most unlikely source God will use, and God will command that source to open up for the child of God and those who serve him. God opened up the source called Raven, and God said, go provide for my servant morning and evening, take food for my servant. Now, just like he commanded the raven, God has commanded a widow. You look at a widow. She's not a rich person. She's a very poor widow. Widows usually, they don't have much, especially back in those days. The husbands were the main providers for the family. And once they're gone, they don't have anything. In this case, God is sending Elijah to a widow. He didn't send him to a wealthy woman's house. He sent him to a widow. The point here is, God commanded a widow there to provide for Elijah. God's divine provision will always be there for those who serve him who serve him with an upright heart, who trust him with all their hearts. God will never fail. He's never failed. He can never fail. He will never fail. God commands specific people. He commands specific creatures. He commands specific things. When he commands, it must obey. 
They must obey. Whatever it is, it has to obey. God commanded, oh, big fish to swallow Jonah, and he commanded the big fish to spit him out. Whatever God says, to whomever it is, they have to obey. They will do it. Cannot happen any other way. So our eyes should be on the provider, not the provision. We keep our eyes on God, even during famine, yes. The whole world may go through a famine, but for the people of God, God will provide. God will provide. It may not be from a big resource. However, for God's people, there will be food on the table. For God's people, they will have their needs met. Because God cares for his people. So, Elijah goes because God told him to, and he went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now, there was a famine there. There was no rain, we have to understand here. Elijah was the one the Lord used to go tell Ahab until I come back and command rain. There's going to be no rain. There's no water there. In this situation, the first thing that the Lord is having, the prophet of God to ask this lady, this widow, was water. When there's scarcity, water scarcity going on in that country, he comes and asks her water. He's not asking her, bring me a big pot of water. He says, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. You don't see this woman refusing. She's not grumbling. She's not saying, oh, you know what? Don't you know there's a drought over here? Don't you know? There's no water here. Why are you coming to me? Go and ask somebody. I'm a widow. And she didn't sit and cry and tell him all his all her sorrows. In spite of her shortage, she goes forward to give to the man of God. In the midst of her lack, she chose to give what she had to the Lord. In the midst of her lack, she chose to give what she had. In the midst of the lack, she chose to be a blessing to the man of God that God sent to her. Little did she know that she was going to be sustained by the very same man of God throughout the period of drought and famine. She didn't know. She had no clue. But one thing she knew, she had to do what God had called her to do. She had that obedience, spirit of obedience, She's not only a woman of faith, as Jesus said in the New Testament. She was also a woman who would give. Even if she doesn't have anything, she would give. With the little she had, she gave. See, there are reasons why God blesses certain people. Jesus said there were many widows there in Israel. But Elijah the prophet was only sent to the widow of Zarephath. Many lepers 
in Israel. But Elisha was sent to Naaman the Syrian, the leper. God looks for certain things in the lives of people in order to bless them. And these are the qualities. See, when we read the Bible, we have to look at the people that God used in the Bible. Even this widow, God had commanded her. You know who will God command? God was God is never going to force someone to do anything. God will command or God will give instruction to those who are willing, those who will obey him. So what little she had, she became a useful instrument in the hand of the Almighty God. And as God always says, he gives many, many times in return. She receives many, many times more in return. There's a promise that God is giving to us this morning. No matter what you see around you, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. It shall not come near you. Even the king started walking around looking at the land because there was no water. But you know what? Elijah had his water and he had his bread. And who else? The woman who gave him a little bit of water and gave him the first portion of the bread that she made. She and her son, they had enough all through the famine. All through the famine. God says in his word, he feeds his people during famine. God takes care of his people. If you have the heart to take care of your child, Remember, even more than that, God will take care of you. God will provide for you. God will protect you. God will keep you as the apple of his eye. He who touches you touches the apple of his eye, the word of God says. No demon, no plague, no disease, no death can come near a child of God, provided we walk with him. And trust him. Trusting in the Almighty God is very important. Secondly, there should be no presumptuous sin in our lives. Thirdly, there should be no foolishness on our part. That means the tempter can come and say, jump from the top of the building. Angels will carry you. You read Psalm 91, right? Go ahead, go outside. Just brave yourself and go outside. Don't wear gloves, don't wear masks, and just go right next to the person who has that virus. That will be foolishness. God is looking for people who would really take the word of God seriously. Jesus didn't do that because that was Satan's call. God is speaking to our hearts this morning. When we just do what we have to do. Following the Lord faithfully. What we need shall be provided for us. This is the word of the Lord. And I challenge you to take it today. If you're walking faithful, if you're faithful to the Lord and faithfully walking with God, God will fulfill this word this month of April. You may see a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand to your right hand, but it shall not come near you. If this doesn't happen, come back and ask me. Because it's the word of the Lord God is giving to us this morning. God is very faithful. 
We need to make sure that we are walking with God. We need to make sure that we are not toying with sin. We need to make sure that we are like that widow. Who will obey the Lord. God commanded her and she did it. No complaints. There's something to her. The man of God. God commanded him to go. To a widow. And he did it. He didn't say, oh God, you're telling me to ask. Why can't you just continue sending the ravens? Now I have to go and ask her. I'm a man of God. Why should I go and ask? You provide divine being. Why should I go and ask? He didn't say that. God leads his people in different ways, different times. When God told him to go and ask, he had to humble himself and go and ask. But for Elijah, it was a second nature to obey God. He was a man who walked with God. He was an ordinary human being just like us, but the Bible says. Yet he was an extraordinary man because he was a righteous man. He was a man of prayer. May God help us to be like that this morning. Ordinary people, yet extraordinary because of leading a righteous life through Jesus Christ and because of leading a life of prayer. Living a life of obedience to the Lord God Almighty. Now we're not going to read the rest of this chapter, but I encourage you to read the remaining verses in the rest of this chapter on your own. And see what God did for this widow and her son. Last two verses we will read from this section, which is verse 15. And 16, verse 15 and verse 16. Let's read. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Who spoke through this prophet of God? God. Every time God speaks, he will keep his word. Every word that God speaks shall come to pass. All the time. Without fail. So the Lord is encouraging us this morning. He's encouraging you this morning. That he is the source. He will provide. He will protect God protected Elijah, his widow, and Zarephath, and her child. Whoever is dependent on her, we don't know. As the Bible says, a whole household. Maybe when she saw that, maybe she called her sister. We don't know. But one thing we know, she was a blessing to the Lord because she obeyed him. In turn, God continued to bless her. The man of God became a blessing to her and she became a blessing also because the more God gave, the more she cooked. The more she provided. The more she provided, the more God gave. That is a beautiful cycle. When we simply obey Him, God will make us more and more and more useful in the hands of the Almighty God. During this season, during this 
season of seeking God, I should say, in the midst of this virus that is going around everywhere, we as God's people have our refuge, the Lord God Almighty. We have our rock, the Lord God Almighty. We have our provider, the Lord God Almighty. The one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who withhold, withheld rain, the one who withheld rain from the people of Israel, is actually providing privately for Elijah, for the widow, her son, the entire household. So whatever is happening around us, we need to pray for the salvation of the people. We need to pray that they stop hurting God. We need to pray that the church would wake up and stop playing harlot. We have to pray that we may seek the Lord all the more. And we also have to take heart knowing that those who have the Lord will be protected. Those who have the Lord will be provided by God himself. It's the promise that God is giving to us. He will be your protector. He will be your provider. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. When we trust Him, and we lead a life that is pleasing to God, trusting Him, every word that God has spoken over us shall come to pass. No famine can destroy God's people. No plague can come near our dwelling place. The famine, the drought, did not destroy this widow, her household, because she walked in obedience to the Almighty God. She was walking in obedience with the Almighty God. It didn't touch Elijah because he was walking in obedience with the Almighty God. He was serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Know for sure, if you walk with him, your life lines up with the Almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. As the Bible says in Psalm 91, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, therefore I will rescue him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Because he set his love upon me. Not just simply saying I love you Jesus, but as it says in John chapter 15, abiding in him. Obeying him. And as Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Walking in obedience to the Lord God Almighty is the key. Is the key to every blessing. Walking in faith. When we walk in faith, we will obey him. I want to close with this this morning. There's an encouragement from the Lord of hosts, who is our God. He's by our side. He knows everything that is happening. We know that God knows everything that is happening. A lot of times people say that he's not surprised by it. I mean, he's not surprised. Not only he's not surprised by it, he has his hand over the entire thing. He's the one who's commanded everything. It's not just he just allowed it. When judgment comes, he actually passes the judgment. He causes it to happen. We have to come to terms with that. 
in order for the wrath of God to be removed. But we must repent. The churches all over must repent. Churches have so much abortion in itself, so much immorality in itself, so much vulgarity in itself. If the house of prayer is no longer the house of prayer, and it's become a social club, God will take his whip, and God will whip it, until it gets totally cleansed, so that he can be there, so that those who really want to worship him can come and worship him, and deliverance can take place from there. God is looking for sincere people. God is looking for that one woman who was like that, widow of Zarephath. God is looking at you today. God is asking this question. If I tell you to do something, will you do? If I tell you to do something, will you do? I told the widow of Zarephath to provide for the servant of God, and she did. Will I tell you to do something? Will you do? Yes, it was water. Yes, whatever she had, little she had. She simply obeyed. And the miracle followed her obedience. If you want to see miracle after miracle after miracle in your life, the key is to simply walk in obedience to the Almighty God. You obeying him is an expression of faith in the sovereign will of God. May God bless us this morning and strengthen our hearts today. Fortify our thinking with this word. That God will fulfill every word that he has spoken. That our oil will not run out that our flower will not run out. God will not only keep us alive in famine, but we will see the supernatural unfold during this time. That's what happened with the widow of Zarephath. During the famine, God did not only keep her alive, but she saw something supernatural taking place in her house every single day. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you learn to trust Him and walk the walk of faith during the season, God will keep you untouched from what's happening around you. God will keep you untouched from what's happening around you. And God will cause you to experience the supernatural in your life. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. As you spoke to us, Lord, during the first part of this morning call, how you drew the line so that the flies were not able to go into the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were. No plague shall come near our dwelling place. No plague. No plague shall come near our dwelling place. Happy people to continue to hold on to the scripture. Help your people to continue to walk in obedience, Lord, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you are showing them, whatever you are teaching them, whatever you are speaking to them, help them to immediately obey. So that when God looks for 
that obedient man, obedient woman to hand in something big. May he find many of us here dependable, trustworthy, so he can unfold his plan, show his glory, and do great and mighty things. Father, I pray that you bless your people this morning on the first day of this new month as a servant, O Lord, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God. Bless your people, Lord, each and every brother, sister, child who is here in your presence. And bless them with your special blessing for this entire month of April. And I pray that your blood may be around them as a shield. That you keep them untouched. Untouched from what's going on everywhere. Keep them untouched from everything that's going around them. And I pray help your people, Lord, to walk in the fear of the Lord, in that healthy fear. Walk in the love of God, in obedience to the commands of the Almighty God. To constantly be in prayer and be men and women of faith. Lord, what a privilege you've given us to know you. We are privileged people, Lord, having known you. We are such privileged people, Lord, and we thank you for giving us this privilege. You've blessed us with everything. If we have you, we have everything. You protect us, you preserve us. You defend us. You provide for us. Lord, we lack nothing in you. You made us complete in you. And I pray that your divine hand rest upon your people. Cause your people to flourish during this time. Every believer who is on the call and everyone who is seeking you, Lord, during this time, I pray may they see a measure of prosperity in proportion to their seeking after you. This is what the Lord says you'll see a measure of prosperity in proportion to your seeking after the Almighty God. And I pray that you will bless this month of April for your people. As we begin this first day of fasting and prayer, Lord, as a church, may the hand of God move on behalf of your people. And all the doors that need to open for your people may it be opened in Jesus' name. And all the doors of provision that needs to open up may open up in Jesus' name. And I pray that you'll sanctify us all the more this month, O Lord. That the image of Jesus may be seen even more clearer in our lives. That we may bear the cross of Jesus Christ. And we may be a reflection of the glory of God. Bless your people today. They're going out and they're coming in. Be protected by the nail pierced hands of the Almighty God. And I pray, use each one as ambassadors of the Almighty God, Father. Use them as your ambassadors. Use them as your ambassadors. Use them as your ambassadors. Use them as your ambassadors wherever they go, even from the comfort of their home. May they be your ambassadors, Lord. Move their heart, O oh Lord, to reach out to people. Give them creative ways, Lord, ideas, Lord, to show Jesus to this dying world. 
that they may know the truth. And by knowing the truth, that they may be set free from every bondage, O oh God, the enemy. And I thank you, Father. So bless us, O oh God, this day. And bless us, O oh Father, throughout this month. May we rule and reign with you throughout this month of April over our circumstances, over our finances, over, Lord, our emotions, over our bodies, over our minds, over our every surrounding area that we may be placed, O oh Lord. Jesus, as you promised, we will be above and not beneath. Lend and not borrow. Will the head and not the tail. Wherever you are, you don't have to unmute it, but you can just say it right now. I will be the head and not the tail. I will be above and not beneath. I will lend and not borrow. Sickness will not come near my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come near my dwelling place. I will obey the Lord God Almighty. And I will walk in His ways. I will humbly walk in His ways. I will turn my heart wholeheartedly towards the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So that I may prosper and my family may prosper along with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.